Amen. Amen. Give God a shout of praise. Come on. All right. All right. Awesome. Give it up for our worship team. My goodness. My goodness. Kate Keller, Lilo, Mike Art. Check, check. There I am. Man, we got an amazing worship team. Man, give it up one more time for these guys. Thank you guys so much. Wow. Well, it was uh, it was the plan uh, for uh, Pastor Doctor Rob Carmen to uh, to give the word this morning, and uh, and so I was up. I was on my way to the mountain with Pastor Andrew. Uh, we were heading up to Solitude for an amazing day of powder, which was fantastic. So just so you know, uh, it is my prayers at work, uh, having the snow continue. So you can thank me for that, and uh, and I'm not I'm not giving up uh, on those prayers. <laughs> but I am praying for rain in the valley, just just so that we're clear. Um, but I was on my way up, and uh, and. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Rob sent me a text message, hey, flight delayed, uh, looks like my new time will be 4.45, and, uh, and those texts just kept on coming throughout the day, delayed another hour, another hour. He had 17 delays, 17 delays flying in from Dallas, and, uh, and so finally, after he was at the airport for over 12 hours... Over 12 hours, he just sat there and pa- patiently waited. I'm pretty sure he probably led some, some people to the Lord while he was there just because that's who he is. Uh, and, uh, and finally, after 12 hours or so, uh, American I- Airlines said, sorry, we are not going to be able to get you to Salt Lake City. Uh, and, uh, and so that was a bummer. Uh, and so first, we're super bummed that, uh, that he's not here with us. Uh, but uh, hopefully we can work it out for him to come. Maybe in the summer, in a few months, we'll uh, we'll see if we can make that happen. Because uh, I know that he's excited to be here. Uh, because he heard, just so you know, he's heard what God is doing in Salt Lake City, Utah, and he wants to be a part of it. He's heard what God is doing in and through each and every one of you and in this house and in this valley, and he's excited to come and see and to be a part of it. Uh, and so we'll have him out soon. Uh, so, so yeah, so I texted, uh, so he texted me, so I said, I guess that means that I should write a sermon. And so that was about 8.45 last night. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, they say be ready in and out of season. And, uh, and so I'm honored, I'm honored to be able to bring uh, a word this morning. Can I just tell you, church, I love you. I love you. I love this church. Look how good looking you are. Just t- turn to the, next, to the person next to you and say, you are good looking. Yeah. Now turn to the other person and say, you are also good looking. Yeah. We got a good-looking church. I love this house. I love what God is doing. I am honored. Listen, I am honored to lead and to, to the, be the campus pastor here at uh, C3 Salt Lake City, and I am honored to be a part of C3 San Diego. How many of you know how blessed we are? We've got the best lead pastors on the planet. I'm telling you right now, they are the real deal. Uh, I don't know if you realize, but, um, but Pastor Leanne was just last week in New York City preaching at Hillsong's Color Conference. 
That's a big deal, church. Next year, she's preaching at all of this at, at, throughout the entirety of the, of the conference. We have some amazing leaders, you guys. We are honored. I'm telling you right now, uh, just last week, they just, fa- just finished up. In fact, Pastor Andy was out uh, in San Diego to help with the Hero production. It's a, it's a, mu- a musical that displays the gospel, the life of Jesus, his death, his resurrection. And listen, guys, 263 people gave their heart to Jesus. That's what we're a part of. That's the house that we're a part of, and that's the things that are coming. Can I just tell you something? The best is yet to come in Salt Lake City, Utah. The best is yet to come in Salt Lake City, Utah. So open up your Bibles to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. We're going to uh, get into to God's word this morning. John chapter 12, starting at verse 20. This is, this is what it says. It says, some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bathsheba. In Galilee, they said, uh, they said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Verse 23, Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted into the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful, a plentiful harvest of new lives. The title of my message this morning is The Best is Yet to come. The best is yet to come. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. Lord, I thank you that you died on the cross for our sin. I thank you that you raised from the dead. Lord, I thank you that you're here with us, that your presence is here with us. Lord, we love you. Now as we get into your word, bless it. Lord, let it touch our hearts, encourage us, challenge us. We love you. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So, I'll just kind of unpack this for a few minutes this morning. It says, some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration uh, paid a visit to Philip, who is from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. You have to realize that at this point in the ministry of Jesus, he is famous. People are talking about the man. People are talking about Jesus. At this point, his, like, fame has reached, like, you know, it's like Chris Pratt, like Michael Jordan, Justin Bieber, Tiger Woods, like Stephen Furtick, Paul McCartney, Donald Trump, you know, Drake, Beyonce, like all, like, somebody just got excited about Drake. Uh, like, he, he's that famous. All of those people, like, combined into one. Like, everybody's talking about this person, Jesus Christ. You know why they're talking about him is because when you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus lived a big life. He lived a big life. There's a lie in the church that as Christians, we should live a small life. That's a lie from the very pit of hell. We're supposed to live a life like Jesus. We're supposed to be Christ-like. Jesus lived a big life, my friends. People were talking about Jesus. Why? Because he was just in some corner praying? No, because he was out doing amazing things, so much so that people were like, wow, look at that. Look at what's God. Listen, he shows up at a wedding. They run out of wine and don't worry about it because Jesus is on the scene. His mom is like, hey, we need to fix the problem. And he's like, hey, it's not my time. 
She's like, okay, so listen, this is what you're going to do. So she goes and gives instruction that he goes and they, they fill it. He turned water into wine. The best wine. It's a miracle. It's amazing. The party continues. Jesus is living a big life. He heals a boy with a fever. Not even being there. <laughs> the, guy's dad, the, the boy's dad comes over to Jesus. Hey, my kid, he's really sick. I need you to help. He's, you know, he's not doing good. And Jesus is like, hey, you know, he's healed. And he's like, oh, cool. Goes back, boom. The kid is back. Like this is the type of stuff that Jesus is doing. He's casting out demons out of people. That's amazing. How many of you know that there are some people, maybe even in this house, that are living with some demons that we need to have Jesus cast out, maybe even this morning? (laughs) Only a few of you seem to be free from demons. That's okay. (laughs) He heals heals Peter's mother-in-law. We still don't really know how excited Peter was about that miracle. I mean, we don't know that, that dynamic, but... He gets into a boat, and he's like, hey, guys, go out and catch some fish. And they're like, ah, oh, we, we've already tried. It's, it's useless. It's, you know, but he says, no, no, go out in the deep water. Catch, you know, let's, let's put down your nets. And they're like, okay. I mean, whatever. If you, if you want us to do it, fine. We'll humor you. They go down. They let their nets down. And so many fish, they catch so many fish that the nets are breaking. They have to call their friends to come. Both boats now are so full of fish that it's sinking in. the. They're trying to get back to land. Guys, Jesus is doing amazing things. He's living a big life. People are wondering what is going on with this man. They're talking. They're talking. People that couldn't walk are now walking. People that couldn't see are now seeing. This guy with a messed up hand is now whole. He's doing amazing miracles, and people are talking about what Jesus is doing. He goes, and he's walking, and the, and the funeral procession is going down, and this poor widow, is cry, or this poor mom is, is crying over her dead son, and Jesus comes and heals the boy, touches his head, and the boy comes back to life. I'm telling you right now, friends, people are talking about what Jesus was doing. He was living a big life. There was a huge storm on a boat. He's asleep. He wakes up and he, with his voice, tells the storm to stop and it obeys. Jesus is living a life of victory, of authority. He is doing the impossible and people are talking about him. He heals, check this out, there's a guy who comes, he says, ah, my, you know, my, my, my daughter, she's about to die, you need to come quick, and so he's like, okay, cool, I'm coming. On his way to heal that girl, a, a, a lady who had been bleeding for 12 years just touches him. Listen, he heals the lady with the issue of blood on his way to heal somebody else, she ends up dying, they're like, oh, she's dead, don't even worry about it. He goes, no, no, don't worry about it, goes in and brings her back from the dead. Listen to me, people are talking about what Jesus is doing because when he says something, it happens. He's living an incredible life. Could you imagine just for a second what the disciples are doing right now? They're like, what is going on? They're like, uh, dude, like, this could be it. Like, this, like, this could actually be the Messiah. This could be God. People are 
talking, the, the mute, people who couldn't speak are now beginning to speak. One time they, he's, speak, he's speaking to, to a huge crowd of people. There's over, you know, 10,000 or so, and, and they're like, oh, we're, we're out of food. We don't have any food. They're hungry. We got to feed them, and what are we going to do? Send them home. We got to do something, and Jesus is like, oh, no, no, we're going to feed them, and they're like, oh, we don't have we don't have anything to do that with, sorry. And he's like, oh, no, no, we're going we're gonna to figure it out. And so sure enough, this little boy's like, I've got some fish. I've got some loaves of bread. And they're like, yeah, that's cute, but that's not enough. There's over 10,000 people here, little boy. Jesus goes, oh, no, that's perfect. He grabs it. He breaks it. He, put, he puts it up to heaven, and he thanks God for it. And then all of a sudden, those loaves of bread and those fish multiply, and he feeds so many. Uh, he feeds all of the people. And listen to this. Then after everyone has had their fill, he says, go get the leftover. Can I tell you something, that our God is a God who will do even more than you can handle, even more than you can imagine? The disciples were like, we'll have to send them away because we don't have any food. Jesus is like, no, 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 I have, I, I am a God of multiplication. I am a God that w- of increase. I am a God that can take whatever it is that you have and I can multiply it for my kingdom. God is doing, Jesus is doing amazing, amazing things. At one point, he pulls a coin out of a fish. He brings, literally, how cool would that be? I'm going fishing, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's go fishing. He just pulls money out of a fish like he is living a big life. And then his friend dies. Lazarus, dead. His buddy, it's this big thing. He's not in town. He, he then goes and he gets there. It's now the, he, he's, he's been dead for a few days. He's in the tomb. He's rotting. And Jesus says, no, no, pull the stone away. They're like, no, 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 Jesus. It's not gonna. He goes, no, no, pull the stone away. He walks into the tomb and he says, Lazarus, get up. And Lazarus gets out of the grave. He walks out and he's got his grave clothes on. Can I tell you something? When Jesus speaks, it happens. Listen to me. Some of you need to understand, you need to hear that he is the God that raises things from the dead. And so if he's got a promise that he's put in your heart, it is not dead. It is not too far gone. Our God is a God that can do the impossible. He makes dead things live. All right. People are talking. People are talking. And so these Greeks show up. Now, they haven't really had too much of an encounter with Jesus. We know for sure that they don't know him because they're asking to meet him. So they've never met him personally, but probably they've seen him. Probably they've maybe seen a few miracles. Probably they they maybe have been around as he's teaching. Maybe they were there when he multiplied the bread and the fish. Maybe he was there. Maybe they were there when they he saw they saw some things happen, but they didn't know him personally. They wanted to meet him personally. And so they didn't know Jesus, but sounds like they maybe knew Phil. So they're like, hey, Phil. You got the inside track. I hear you know the guy. We want to meet him. We want to get his autograph. He's a big deal. He's famous. We've heard all of the amazing things that he's doing. All the town is a buzz. We want to meet him. We want to know more about this man. So they go up to Phil and they say, hey, can you introduce us? And, and, and Philip's like, well, I mean, he's kind of busy. He seems a little bit distracted today, a little bit turmoil, some things. I don't know exactly what's going on, but he seems kind of stressed. I'm just, you know. 
Remember, this is, this is the, the last days of his life. He's awaiting the cross. He's going through. He knows everything that he's going to go through. Jesus is, is and, 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 and so they, he's like, okay, Phil, Phil's like, okay, well, let me go grab my, my buddy Andy. And, and the two of us will go, and we'll go ask him. So they, so they go together. They're like, hey, Jesus, you know those Greeks, the guys with the good yogurt, you know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> they got good euros, you know, spraying Windex on everything. <laughs> They're like, yeah, those Greeks. He's like, yeah, yeah, do they have some yogurt? No. And, uh. He's like, he's like, yeah, the Greeks, they want to meet you. They want to meet you. And look at what Jesus replies in verse 23. Jesus replies, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted into the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels of a plentiful harvest of new life. What? What? <laughs> These guys are wanting to meet Jesus. So his disciples come and they're like, hey, these guys want to meet you. And he starts talking about a colonel dying. They're like, okay. <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> so you're dizzy? <laughs> we can't get the autograph? Like, what's, what does that mean? <laughs> what, what are you actually trying to to say, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted into the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. See, not only here is Jesus predicting his death, what he's saying is not actually as weird as it seems. He's predicting his death and he's also explaining its purpose. You see, I think oftentimes as Christians, we, we, we get stuck into kind of this small life mentality because we have bought into the lie that our Christian life is to, be, uh, to become saved and to become forgiven of our sin and then just sort of like be Christians. And like, you know, oh, we're, we're forgiven. <laughs> Yay. And just kind of like, oh, I messed up, but that's okay because I'm forgiven. And so let's just continue with life. I get to go to heaven, that's good. But our life sometimes doesn't really change a whole lot. We just are glad and appreciative and thankful that now we have this forgiveness found in Christ, which is good. But Jesus is explaining something really, really, really like mind-bending when we start to unpack really what, what he's saying. Listen, he says, unless a kernel of wheat is planted into the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. See, when a, when a seed gets planted into the soil, that seed begins to break up, and the seed goes away. The seed just kind of disappears. The seed is no longer. You can't dig up after you plant a seed and then it turns into a plant. You don't go, the seed is not necessarily there anymore. It breaks apart and then a plant comes and then from that plant comes more seed and then from those seeds comes more plants and from those plants comes more seeds and from those seeds comes more plants and all of a sudden you've got a forest of plants. That's how this works. That's how this works. 
You see, it was difficult for these folks to meet Jesus because Jesus was flesh and blood. He was a person, which means that he got tired. We know this because he sits at the well waiting for the Samaritan woman, and he's exhausted, and he wants water, and he's hungry, and he sits down, he takes a break. Jesus was fully God, yeah, but he was fully man. He was fully man, meaning that he couldn't just like, you know, move, like beat me up, Scotty. He couldn't just like go to somebody else's house like that. They walked. You know what I'm saying? His feet got dirty and nasty because he was just constantly walking around. He was tired. He was a man. He, he, was, he was limited by time and space. While he was on the earth, he was limited by time and space. He had given up that divine property, and he was now in human form, limited by time and space, which meant that the Greeks didn't have access to him. He only had full access. He only gave full access to his disciples. Everybody else had to see it from afar. Everybody else had to hear about it from the bleachers. Everybody else had to see it and, and, and hear about it and want more information about it. But they couldn't have a personal encounter, a personal relationship with him. Why? Because he was limited to time and space. He was in the flesh. And so really what he's saying when they're like, hey, these, these guys want to meet you, and then he begins to talk about how this, this, great, this, this kernel is going to go in, into the ground and die, and then more is going to come from it. Really what he's saying is the best is yet to come. Really what he's saying is the best is yet to come. See, Jesus comes on the scene after 400 years of silence. You look through the Old Testament, and, and God would, would show up on a person. For a moment. And all throughout the, the Old Testament, we see this kind of, this, spr this like, sprinkling? What's the? Sprinkling. It's been a late night. Some, the sprinkling of God showing up and just boom. And the presence of God showing up and, and prophecy and healing. And you see, you know, Elijah brings, bring, brings fire down from heaven. You see all these amazing things. But it's, it's just sort of bits and pieces throughout, throughout the history. So then Jesus shows up on the scene, and Jesus is now God with skin on. The Holy Spirit, now it doesn't just rest on Elijah for a moment and rest on Moses and, and a few other, you know, he's not just kind of, you know, sprinkled throughout history. Now we have this moment where there's three years of God in flesh walking the earth. It's amazing. Every word that comes out of his mouth is from heaven. Everything that he says happens. It's why the dead are raised. It's why the blind see. It's why the mute speak. It's why, because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords was walking on the earth, God with skin on. It was amazing. It was amazing. But he's trying to paint a picture. He says, yeah, 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 I know that the last three years have been great. I know that it's been cool, especially after those 400 years of drought. Like, yeah, but the best is yet to come. The best is, is yet to come because Jesus, listen, Jesus was about to go to the cross. His body was about to get beaten and busted. He was about to be poured out as an offering, the perfect sacrifice. He was about to die 
like the kernel putting it, going into the seed, Jesus Christ lays his life down and he dies. And that then, that moment separates history, splits it in half, B.C. and A.D. It changed everything. It's a weekend that changed everything, right? This is where everything changed because before... You had to go to the temple, you had to do all of, the, all of the rituals, you had to go through the motions, and then just maybe you'd be able to hear a word from a prophet. Then just maybe you'd, you'd, have, you'd, you'd be clean enough for a moment to, to have some sort of encounter with God at some level. But then Jesus comes and he's God with skin on and he's ministering and he's touching and he's healing and he's speaking. But even still, he's limited by by time and by space. And so he says, no, it's better that I go because when I go, I'm going to bring, I'm going to send my helper. I'm going to send the advocate. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. God is going to be poured out. God will no longer be just sprinkled throughout history. God will no longer be just in one man walking the earth, but now God will be unleashed to his church. Now God will be in each and every person that accepts him as, his, as their savior. Listen, the best is yet to come. See, Jesus didn't just come to die on the cross, forgive you of your sin, and, you know, reconcile humanity, and then go back up into heaven and say, y'all figure it out. Good luck. I did the work, so you're good. All you got to do is believe in me, and then just live your life the best that you can, and when you die, you get to go to heaven, gold star. That's not, but unfortunately, friends, that's oftentimes the only part of the gospel that we hear. There's so much more to the story. There's so much more to the story. He says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But the death, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. He's sending his Holy Spirit, Jesus, is broken and destroyed. And from that seed that gets planted in the soil of heaven comes a new life. Become, comes God now can enter into, Paul would say, don't, don't you realize that you are the temple of the living God? That now the Holy Spirit, God in flesh, God lives inside of you? You see, Jesus Christ, listen to this, Jesus Christ was God with skin on, but now the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit is now God in your skin. Now God is in your skin. You see, before God was limited to the skin of Jesus Christ. But he says, no, no, the best is yet to come because when I go, see, I am making a sacrifice for you that will make you righteous in my eyes so you will be a holy and acceptable vessel so that I can send the Holy Spirit, God, the fullness of God, now will step out of heaven and into each and every person who calls on the name of the Lord that now you have God inside of you. Now God has your skin on. Whoa! That's a big deal, church. That's a big deal. It's more than you're just forgiven. 
It's now that you're the host of the living God, that now the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you. That's a big deal. The whole man, but the enemy does not like that, does he? So he's going to tell you the small, this lie that says, no, no, no. See, you're a filthy sinner. Just be thankful that you're adopted into the family and go sit on the side of, go sit in some room off to the side like, you know, the redheaded stepchild. If you're a redheaded stepchild, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but just go sit in the corner and, and just be thankful that, that, that you're here. And then we pray, pray, we pray prayers like this. Oh, Jesus, it's been a tough week. But if you could just, if you could just give me a little extra, a little extra energy just so I could have enough to get through the day, that would be great. We pray prayers like, oh, Jesus, uh, uh, the bank account is running low and I don't want to be like wealthy. That's not what I'm asking for. I would just like to have just enough to get by. We pray prayers like, God, I don't want to bother you right now, but I have a friend, and they're kind of sick, and if it wouldn't be too much, I'd, I'd love it if maybe you could just give them some peace while they're in the hospital. That would be great. Listen to me. The same Listen to me, church. God lives inside of you. We don't pray prayers like that. No, no. We Listen, Jesus Christ lived a big life. Why? Because God was living on the inside of him. Then he went into the soil of the heaven, so then he brought the Holy Spirit down, unleashed, so that you and I would have God in us, so that now we then go out and live big lives, pray big prayers of faith, and say, God, I know that you're not done. God, I know that you can do exceedingly more more than I could ever ask, hope, or imagine. God, I know that the same spirit that that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. And so I pray for healing. I pray for prosperity. I pray for increase. I pray for more. I pray that you would do what only you can do through me because I am your vessel. It's not because of me. It's because of who God is living in me. Church, we got to get this right. We got to get this right. Paul would say it like this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. His Spirit doesn't make you fearful slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about you by adoption. This is not the translation that I was expecting. (laughs) And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are his children, then we are his heirs. We are co-heirs with Christ. That is the gospel, that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we sit with him at the right hand of God, that he has, that we have his ear, that we can go boldly into the throne room of God, that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and that then the life that we live, listen, the life that we live would be so big that there would be things happening in our life that people would take notice. And all of a sudden, people would begin to ask, hey, can you introduce me to him? 
Just like the Greeks had heard about Jesus, just about how the Greeks had heard how the dead were rising, just how they heard about how the the boats were so full that they couldn't hold all the fish, just as they heard that, that, that that he had multiplied the bread and the fish, just as they have heard that he was doing these amazing things, friends, in now, in this day and age, in Salt Lake City, Utah, our neighbors, our co-workers should hear of the goodness of God. They should hear of his favor on our life. They should hear of the miracles that happen because we have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he lives inside of us. Can we be a church that acts like it? One thing I love so much about Jesus is that nothing ever happened to him. Nothing ever happened to Jesus. Jesus happened to things. Jesus, that's our God. He shows up, like the spirit of the, of the Lord is hovering over the deeps. And then God said. He didn't show up on the scene and go, ooh, this is a mess. This is an unfortunate circumstance. There's nothing here to work with. No. He spoke and it was. Nothing happened to Jesus. Jesus happened to everything that he encountered. And so he sees death, and death doesn't happen. He encounters death. Death is changed into life because of Jesus. You see, as Christians, I am sick and tired of watching us just let life happen to us. Now we're just victims of all of the circumstance, whining to God, oh, look at me, look at the horrible things. Cancel. That's not the life that God called for you to live. That's not it. You see, he raised from the dead, defeating sin and death so that he could have give you victory in him so that you and I would walk in victory in life. See, things don't happen to us. We happen to things because God lives inside of us. No more victim crap. No more. All right, I have a few more minutes, I think. Do I have nine minutes? Is that true? Praise God. Praise God. The band can come up. I'm going to close. Jesus then goes on to say some stuff. And if you, don't, if you don't understand it correctly, you could misunderstand what he's trying to say. And I think a lot of times Christians, Christians do this. And this is what he says in verse 25. For those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. A lot of times Christians will read this and go, see, I'm not supposed to care. I'm not supposed to care that really not making it in life. I'm not supposed to care that my lawn looks like crap. I'm not supposed to care that my life is disheveled because I just have to, because I don't care about this life. I just care about Jesus. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice from heaven saying, 
I've already brought glory to my name, and I will do it again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to them. Then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come, when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Amen? And when I am lifted up from, heaven, from, the, from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Jesus is trying to explain because it's great to get up here and get you pumped up about how God lives in you. Now go out and, and, and be bold and have faith and all that. That's really great. And I mean it with every fiber of my being. But Jesus is unlocking the how right here. He's unlocking the how. You see, Jesus had to be in a spot where he was willing to give up his life. You see, our issue as Christians oftentimes is we want to be at the driver's seat. We want to have it our way. You see, the beautiful thing about our God is that he loves you, that he cares for you, and Jesus took the, the hard stuff. He did. We don't have to be tortured because he was tortured. We don't have to go to the cross because he went to the cross. He took your guilt and he took your shame. And so that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is now what you have to do if you want to live this life of the Holy Spirit, then you have to give him the keys. You have to give him control. You have to be willing to submit and come under the authority of the Holy Spirit in your life because the Holy Spirit is just sitting in your life going, can I drive? Can I drive? Can I drive? Can, can I go? Can, and, and we're, nope. Oh, uh, I know this road better than you. I know that you want me to give right now, but the money's not there, so I'll take the wheel. I know that you want me to invite that person to church, but I know them better than you do. I'll take the wheel. I know that you want me to pray for healing for that person, but I know how bad it is. I saw the doctor's report. I'll take the wheel. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't, if this is gonna work, you cannot care. You can't, you're not at the steering wheel. The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is. And in that moment, when that happens, just as Jesus says, I do nothing except for what my Father tells me. Then he would speak the word of God and then the Holy Spirit would make it so. In the same way, now, Jesus Christ paid for our sin so that we can have direct access to God so that he would live inside of us. So that when we pray, he would hear us. My mic was off. takes you and I saying, not my will, but yours. And then understanding and realizing that his will for you is good. His will for you is not to live a sloppy life, is not to live a life of just enough, it's not to live a life of just barely making it, it's not to live a life of, uh, uh, that's small. He says, listen to this, Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. Where did Je what did Jesus do? 
How did he live? He showed us the model. He lived an abundant, big, fun life. He went to parties. He made wine, drank it probably. He, he had fun. He pulled money out of a fish. Listen to me. Our God has good plans for you. He's not to harm you. He's not to give you. He, gives, he wants to give you a future and a hope. He loves you. He's got big stuff for you. Don't buy into the lie that you're supposed to just be in the corner. Thankful that you finally made it. You are adopted. You are a co-heir with Christ. Jesus Christ paid the price so that God could live inside of you. So real quick, a few ways that you know that you're living this life. Number one, that, you're, that your life shows transformation. When you have an encounter with God, it's changed. It's changed. And it's not just changed once. It's changed all the time. So many Christians are like, yeah, I used to be a drug addict. I used to be enslaved to this and that. Then I met Jesus and I got freedom and that's my story. Listen to me. That's great. That's my story too. But you know what? Then it got bigger than that. Then I begin to transform from who I was last year to who I am this year. Be who I was yesterday to who I am today. Your life will have transformation if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. Your life will have honor. Your life will have honor. Jesus lived to honor his father. God with skin on lived to honor his father. Everything that he did was to bring honor and, to glo and glorify his father. If God is inside of you, we live a life that honors him. We do that by honoring the people he created. The cashiers the co-workers, the weird uncles, our leaders, our presidents, our friends. We live a life of honor if God is in us. We live a life of freedom. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. There are too many Christians walking around in bondage. Stop it. You don't need to do that. He paid for, for it. He freed you from it. God lives inside of you. You have power over it. Prosperity. No. He doesn't want me to have a Mercedes. Why? <laughs> Listen. I don't care if you have a Mercedes or not. Neither does God. But I tell you right now, he wants you to live a big life. He wants you to live a life that is attractive to people and that blesses people. He wants you to live a life that's so big that when you buy that Mercedes, you go, you know what? I'm actually going to give this away because I don't even, because I just live living that much of a life. I'm just going to bless this single mom over here. I'm going to give her that car. That is the God that I serve. A life of authority. A life that does not just walk, we don't just go through life letting things happen to us, but we take authority over those things. And it's hard. This morning, my six-year-old is losing her crap. She's totally losing her crap. She is freaking out for no reason. 
She's being so weird. I'm like, girl, the devil is inside of you. Cancel. And I could feel it. I could feel it. I'm tired, a little bit stressed. I could feel it all of a sudden. I was like, oh my gosh, this moment is beginning to happen to me. And I said, no, no. The God that lives inside of me. So I came over, I chased my kid down, and I gave her a big hug. And I said, not today, devil. I took authority over that moment. Love and power. Our lives should reflect the love of Jesus. He says the stupidest thing, doesn't he? He says, hey, I want you to love your enemies. That's stupid. He says, I want you to pray for them. They're my enemies, excuse me. I'll pray that they die. He says, no, no. I want you to love them. And I want you to pray for them. Because that's how I'm going to get a hold of their heart and yours. And I'm going to change them. That's God. He lives in you. Do people know? Do people know that he lives in you? Can they see it? Power. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. I have to remind myself of that daily because that's mind-boggling. That is mind-boggling that God, the fullness of God, the person of the Holy Spirit resides in me. That means that I should walk in power. That means that I should pray in power. That means that I should speak with power and faith. That means that my life should look different and the people's lives around me should look different because that power is in me. Do people know it? I'm going to close this morning. The two questions. Question number one is, where do you stand? Are you like these Greeks who have heard about Jesus? You've heard some teachings, you've heard some people talking about him, but you've never actually met him. You don't have a personal relationship with him. You see, they couldn't get to him because he was limited. He was only doing ministry for three years. He was bound by time and space, but now God can meet you personally. You can know him intimately. He can dwell in you. So do you know him? Or do you just know of him? Has your relationship with Jesus been more like from the bleachers, from the cheap cheap seats only hearing but not experiencing this life of faith is not to be heard it is to be experienced it is not just knowledge it is experience it is life and so if you're here this morning and you don't know him intimately you can that's what this week is all about He came and he died for you because he loves you.
because he created you. And he created you so that he could dwell in you. Does he dwell in you? Do you know him? He made it real simple. It's not complicated. There's not a course. There's not a book that you have to read. There's not a drink that you have to drink. <laughs> the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you'll be saved. That just in that moment, when you look up to Jesus as your Savior, you recognize that you need him in your life. He then comes and he washes you. He makes you whole. The Spirit of God then lives inside of you and dwells in you. And every day he reveals himself to you. He speaks to you through his word. You get to know him. But do you know him? So if you're in this place and you're like those Greeks, I'd invite you to take it to another level. To accept him as your Lord and your Savior so that he would dwell in you and that you would know him personally. And so if you're in this place and you want to make that step, all across this room, if there's even one, I feel like there's more. If you would just do me a favor, just raise your hand nice and high so I can see you. I got to... I see your hand in the back. Praise God. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, sweetheart. Is there anybody else? I'll wait for you. He's so good. Maybe you've once knew him. It's been a long time since you've really encountered him. You've drifted. I had a very real encounter with God at a young, as a young man and walked with him. And But I had a span of about eight years where I wanted nothing to do with him. And so in a service much like this, I rededicated my life to Christ and my life has never been the same. Maybe you're here and you need to make that decision to rededicate your life to Jesus. If you say, I need, to, I, need to, I need to make, I need to renew that. If there's anyone like that this morning, would you just shoot up your hand? I see your hand. Praise God. Praise God. I see your hand. Praise God. Praise God. All across this place, can we pray this prayer? Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I accept your free gift salvation. Come into my life. Make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give God a hand? Praise God.